showtime. It's time for that radio show everyone loves. Do not attempt to change the station. Just listen, and we'll keep broadcasting. It's time to begin the show. 1039 LI News Radio presents Your Island, the very best in talk radio, with your host, Tom Shalero. And once again, welcome back to our Friday edition. One hour down, one to go. This segment of our program is being brought to you by the Suffolk County Police Benevolent Association, the PBA. It serves to support law enforcement, participate in special events and programs, all designed to help protect our community. They care about you and keeping us all safe. From the anti-drinking and driving campaigns to protecting our children with education on the Megan's Law, PBA promotes a great relationship between the police and the people it's sworn to serve. Suffolk County is one of the safest counties in the country, and the PBA takes pride in its strong belief in our security. They have honored our fallen heroes and contribute greatly to our suburban way of life. Go right to the website, www.suffolkcountypba.org. Noel DiGirolamo, president. Also, like us on Facebook, Your Island with Tom Schiller. We are live streaming on Facebook. We started this about two or three weeks ago. About three weeks ago, right, Joe? Maybe only two. I'll tell you, the people are watching. I'm getting new names over here. It's like incredible. People are watching and they're making comments and so on. And actually, it helps because we actually read the comments over the air. So uh, keep us going on Facebook. Again, once again, like us, Your Island with Tom Shalero. Now, as promised, every other week he's here. He's uh, the, I call him the commander-in-chief of our legislative uh, forces to try to do good for us from Albany. And I'm talking about Assemblyman Doug Smith, just a great guy. Doug's one of our regular contributors here on LA News Radio. And uh, he's going to give us an update. I think he's finally home now, folks. I think the session is over. You know I've been praying for it. I wanted the session to end, so they can't do it any more damage. Doug was not part of the damage. Doug was the loyal opposition that really said a lot of things. Doug, are you happy it's over? Oh, I'm, I'm the taxpayers I know are definitely happy that it's over. My wife's happy. She was uh, wondering uh, who she should send the ransom to. <laughs> uh, no, but that last week, last week we were on the floor every day uh, 12 hours, the last day 22 hours and, uh, you know, fighting the good fight or trying yeah. to. No, and you did and I we had the opportunity and the pleasure to play some of the uh, floor, floor debates that you had and i'm glad you provided that with us so you know it's it's so wonderful because it gives the folks an opportunity to hear what our elected officials are actually doing you know because once you guys go over that now it's called the mario cuomo bridge you know you're lost to us you know and and of course you come back and you talk to the civic groups but at least we could hear you in action that one speech i think you just gave it hours earlier and we were able yeah. to play it, you know, and, yeah, and you know, and I think that was that's great. Our number here is six three one four five one one zero three nine. Want to talk to Doug? We're talking to Doug Smith, the somebody Doug Smith, uh, about uh, all of this stuff that took place. Obviously. I'll tell you right now, I don't think I got any more phone calls than I did with that driver's licenses for uh, undocumented persons. That was that was huge. All right. And that that got so many people upset. A lot of questions to that. That was one. Uh, and there were, of course, a number of other ones. The. Uh, cashless bail or whatever they called it, uh, the Bail Reformation Act. You know, people were concerned about that the taxpayers were forgotten. Oh, absolutely. And, and when you're talking about some of these criminal justice things, um, Assemblyman Joe Gillio and I will probably be this fall doing a criminal justice task force around the state, nice. listening to nice. uh, what the folks think, first responders and uh, our men and women in law enforcement. Uh, we're also going to be interviewing district attorneys, speaking with judges uh, privately, but taking their insight. You know, a lot of these people, it's a touchy subject because a lot of these people can't go on the record, uh, but have thoughts about what's happening now, uh, especially when it comes to removing bail. Or how about, you know, as a uh, police officer, uh, the desk appearance, field appearance tickets yes, now. What's happening with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, that it's got a lot of people upset. Uh, and this is almost like a, an, an ancillary issue. But it looks like Queens elected 
a 31-year-old woman, her name is uh, Tiffany Caban, I think I'm saying it correctly, I hope, who comes from the Public Defender's Office, who is saying, and, and you know, again, very disturbing, uh, the people in Queens want to elect these far-left people, but this is a district attorney who has said publicly that if ICE comes down to the courtroom to take people, that they're going to arrest ICE agents. She says that under her stewardship when she gets sworn in as DA. And then additionally, that they are going to eliminate a lot of prosecution of crimes that they feel are unfair. This is this is amazing, Doug. I know, I know this has nothing to do with you, but the other hand, she does work under state law. That's right. And uh, when you have these officers like um, a district attorney, that's a position under the state constitution, you need to follow state law. And mm. I'll tell you right now, uh, in different counties across the state, you can have a Democrat or Republican district attorney. Here we have Tim Sini. He's mm. tough on crime. Yes, he is. So, you know, it's not a matter of Republican or Democrat. But in this case, they just elected someone who openly says that she will not follow the law necessarily. No, she said that. And she's, um, she, I mean, I'm, I'm not against young people. She's 31 years old, but that's a big job, the Queens DA. I mean, think about it. That's a big job. But, you know, the people in Queens, they elected Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and uh, she had her far left views, but this seems to be the mixture there. And uh, and, and the problem going on here, in, especially in Queens, a lot of my friends who are in the state assembly, who've been there for years from Queens, are afraid of this group, this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez far left group, and they're nervous they're going to get primaried and knocked out. So unfortunately, you have, and I had conversations with a lot of my moderate Democrat friends from around the state, and they're afraid that their conference, the Democrat Assembly, Democrat Senate conference, is being driven by these far-left folks who are threatening primary challenges. But you know what? These moderates have to stand up and say, no, we we will risk losing our election to do what's right for the people of the state of New York. Yeah. You know, again, when we think about it, uh, so many things took place. Obviously, uh, we've got our Facebook audience. Uh, one of our uh, listeners, Jason Edward, just a great guy. Please ask the Assemblyman, this is his question how the passing of this driver's license issue will impact the ability of New York State to comply. This is a great question. I'm getting this question a lot. With the real ID standated as man, man, the real ID. I got one of those enhanced licenses. They were tough to get, Doug Smith. You talk about documentation. I had to provide um, uh, uh, electric bills, a, <laughs> a passport, uh, a birth certificate. And and I think Jason asked a, an excellent question. How is that going to happen? So it won't. And, and this is Oh, it won't. Oh, Okay. <laughs> this is what's interesting because in other states, every ID is real ID compliant. Now, real ID, what that is, it's a federal guideline. So in order for the ID to be real ID compliant, it allows you to enter federal buildings, board an airplane for domestic flights. Otherwise, you're going to have to use your passport. And now what New York State's doing is we're going to be issuing many different types of licenses. So the one that the okay. undocumented immigrants are going to get or even a regular citizen that did not file all that paperwork. For example, the ID I have in my pocket, uh, I didn't pay the extra because 2020, and that's when my license expires. Uh, that's when the real ID goes into effect. The new ones will say on the ID, not for federal purposes. Okay. So these folks, and, and again, a, a U.S. citizen, thank you, thank you, Sean, a U.S. citizen will... Um, We'll be able to get this not for federal purposes, one, too. I mean, but I think we should move to all get these real ID things. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, because the state had to give that contract for the new driver's licenses. You know, we call them new, but, you know, the kind of plastic black and white ones. Um, and in my opinion, our old ones that were kind of bendy, but in color, right. we got a worse product for more money because the old ones that we had were more compliant than these current IDs are uh, in terms of uh, 
So the know, undocumented reality. persons are going to have a whole different classification of driver's license? Is that what we're saying? Yes, but because they're not the only ones who will be able to get it, uh, we still won't be able to distinguish who's here undocumented and who's not. So, for example, you know, if you choose, you say, I'm not going to fly domestically, I'm not going to do these things, uh, you could still get that uh, regular ID. I, I suppose it'll be a little bit uh, less expensive than the real ID. It's, it's really but did they deal with and you again, I always refer to that speech you made on the floor of the assembly where you actually showed people in Suffolk County who voted that should not have voted uh, is how now is that going to be uh, prevented? Well, you still can't prevent that. And, and you I'll still tell you, can't prevent it. I'll, I'll tell you because is, I'll tell you, I'm upset, <laughs> Assemblyman. I, I, and thank God you were there to, to bring it out so that we can have this dialogue. But the unfortunate part about it. We lost. And there was a part two to that. So interestingly enough, I don't know if your listeners had heard about this part because we were able to defeat this on the last day of session. The state Senate passed automatic voter registration. And if you looked at that bill, uh, now this is, uh, we passed this uh, driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. I bring up the concern that basically we're turning our election uh, registration into an honor system where you just have to check citizen or not citizen. Now, under the automatic voter registration, if you deal with any state agency such as Department of Motor Vehicles, it would be an automatic opt-in to register to vote, unless you check a box that says opt-out, the instructions that were written according to that bill told people, if you're not a citizen, do not check this opt-out box. Mm, yeah, so again... They uh, called it a massive typo. You know, you have said it, and a number of other uh, assembly members have said it, that you've got to read the whole bill. And and uh, Dean Murray was on yesterday, uh, assemblyman, also former assemblyman, and he, he essentially said that uh, th- we don't think out the consequences of some of these bills. That it's almost like pass the bill and then there's all these uh, consequences that should have been considered that now have to be dealt with. And, and they called that a typo in the legislation. So they stopped it. They said, this is a typo. Uh, that's a pretty big typo. You know, I'm going to tell you, and a lot of my colleagues, uh, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. A lot of my colleagues and constituents have said there was no way that was a typo. They wanted the Board of Elections to sort that out at the back end. And as we know and discussed, the Board of Elections can't verify citizenship. They can't do it. Our number here is 631-451-1039. I'm going to ask, you know, somewhat of a dark question. And do you think there are certain political forces in your legislature, when you're a member of the state assembly, when I say state assembly, that really want these consequences, that want people who are not supposed to vote to vote? I mean, that's a violation of the law. That's why I call it a dark question. But do you think that's the case? I I know that's the case because I have uh, colleagues that have said that in their districts, they believe that there are probably more undocumented people than documented. And what their attitude is, well, and here's their argument. Their argument is someone's living in the state of New York. Shouldn't they have the right to vote in the state of New York? You've got to be a citizen of the United States of America to make that vote. And that has been pretty much the mantra since 17, well, 1787. And, and that's what I said, because I said, I can't find any other country on the face of the earth that allows citizens of another country to vote, to vote in their but country. But it almost seems, when I read this legislation, and you and I have spoken, you are a major contributor on this program, and you provide us with this information, that the common sense is not there. But again, the whole idea of that, what I call dark question, was that 
is that somewhere in somebody's agenda to allow this to happen? Well, before, and I see somebody's calling in, but before we take that, uh, when they did the redistricting and drew up the new districts in 2012, uh, they have a profile for each district. So my district, for instance, I represent 131,000 people. The census estimates that in my district, there are 6,000 people that are either uh, not, that are not citizens. So that could be people here on visas, people here are permanent residents, or people here that are undocumented. But they're here illegally. Yeah. So that's 6,000 people in my district that I represent that can't vote because they're citizens of other countries. And that's just, that's the reality. But now with this issue of driver's licenses and you so, and it's so easy to register to vote. It's so easy to vote. You don't have to show anything. You just got to tell them your name, which I've always felt there should be. And at some point, the Supreme Court is going to rule whether there should be voter ID. I really think there should. I, I agree, but not with these IDs. Yeah. You know, you think about I, that. That's right. <laughs> can't even use the driver's license. I don't know. This is an upsetting year. 631-451-1039. Let's take uh, Jim over there in Center Reach. Hey, Jim. Yes. Um, it sounds like a policy move where you got to uh, pass it before you can read what's in it. Mm. Uh, that typo sounds about uh, where it is. But one of the complaints that I've got is it, it doesn't seem to matter what the Democrats say. Uh, they're just pushing everything through that they can. And whatever happened with the national ID, we were going to have a national ID, and this was going to solve all our problems. So like Social Security number, that was going to mm. be never to be used as a form of identification, yet it is. Yeah, that's so a good point, So we yeah. could shed some yeah. light on, on what this national identification thing, if that could come back, that would be a wonderful thing. Right. I haven't heard that uh, that uh, debate or that, that discussion in a long time. I think we're, we are getting bogged down with all of this. Now, there's 13 states. We don't stand alone in the nonsense. There's other states that are as nonsensical as we are, you know, when it comes down to driver's licenses and things like sure. that. So we don't stand alone in that. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, again, uh, what was, and I'm going to ask this to Assemblyman Smith, was there any consideration to... Um, Vote uh, uh, voter ID. In other words, when you go to vote to show identification. Well, I think I, I really do think. I mean, I know my colleagues don't support voter ID. I do support voter ID as oh. a way to secure our elections. Colleagues, meaning the Democrats yeah. from the city. That's right, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jim. Right. Thanks for calling. We're going to go to other calls. But go ahead, Doug. Finish up. But uh, but in terms of that, I mean, this just throws us out out the window. Now we can't use voter ID for this. I mean, you can. I guess you can say you need to bring your passport. But talk about inconvenient. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't have passports. Right. You know? So that that's a problem. And yeah. then he mentions your social security number and. I've said it on your show before, as somebody who, uh, when I was in college, I worked at the Social Security Administration. It bothers me to no end. That Social Security number is only supposed to be if you're going to be employed somewhere. But now doctor's offices, so many people use that because that is a unique ID number. Yeah. Um, so, All right, let's take uh, some calls. We'll take uh, Joe over there in Rocky Point. Hey, Joe. Hey, Tom. Well, I, I told you what happened with my deceased brother in Florida. Yes, that's right. That's right. Amazing story. Told, Amazing story. Yeah. Yep. And I told you then that there was a push by the Democrats to do this because it was a test run in 2018, and you're seeing it in New York now. Okay, they hold on to power any which way they can. And the biggest problem is, is first of all, I, I blame both sides because you have election boards. They should be going through their roles after election, and they should be verifying that people are deceased. We have computers today. You can check through somebody's uh, Social Security number. You can check uh, through counties. You can see if uh, they're listed on... Uh, on the rolls of being deceased and stuff. So there is no way that you can't tell me today you could not purge your rolls. And I'm telling you right now, this goes back to Obama, because I saw a video of a young couple in Texas. Now, she, they were, they were, never had any problems. She got onto her local election board. 
she started seeing discrepancies. She started raising a little thing that we should be doing this. People that shouldn't have been voting, people that were deceased that were voting. After that, the IRS targeted her and her husband in their business and destroyed their lives. Mm. And th- this is going back to like 2014. Right. And that Lewis Lerner went before Congress and took the fifth. They right. were using information through computers to target certain groups. Okay, that were raising issues about elections and stuff. Right. And, and I told you before, I, I, Donald Trump, when he said there was 5 million illegal votes, there was probably 20. I'm telling yeah. you right now, yeah. he's right about that. Uh, well, if I could comment on that. So I actually have a bill in, and believe it or not, it's not as easy as you would think. So in Suffolk County, we have 1,050,000 registered voters on the rolls. Um, now, I have a bill that would direct the um, funeral directors right now. They send a copy of the death certificate to Social Security. I My bill would also have them direct a copy of that to the Board of Elections. Excellent. So that Good we can bill. take those Good people bill. off the board. I'd like to see what kind of pushback you get on that bill, though. Uh, yeah, it, that's, that's the pro- Anybody that votes against that bill will tell you where they stand on the issue. That's Right. They want dead people to vote. I, I have a question for you then. If, if they send a copy to Social Security, how come that then there's got to be a database that you could check the election rolls to see if people are still on them that should have been removed? Isn't, isn't that correct? You could. And I mean, the town clerks, uh, I believe, have a copy of the death certificate as well. So that's another uh, avenue. Yeah. Town clerks could work with the Board of Elections. So it is doable, but unfortunately, it's not currently being done. Yeah. Um, and of course it's not, because it's a loophole that they're okay. using and they're, they're exploiting. And I will tell you this. They're going to use these licenses. When I knock on doors every year, and my predecessor and I used to laugh, because every year we'd knock on this one door. We never got an answer, but uh, the guy's 113 years old. Oh, my God. He votes in every election. I haven't met him, but it, it, it's highly suspect. You know, you knock on the I guess wow. when he hits 120, 125, you might have to uh, uh, question whether he's still there. Yeah. So, I mean, Joe, I mean that's, Joe, thanks for the call. I want to get to our last call. We got uh, Ozzy. I think over there in Medford. Hey, Ozzy. Hey, how you doing? Good. Thanks for calling. All right. The question is, you know, these Democrats are always talking about meddling in the election, meddling in the election, the foreign countries, whatever. Right. So what's the difference between these guys with no ID going to vote, you know, and meddling with our elections? The same thing. Mm-hmm. The same thing of them meddling in the election. You, anybody can come and vote for, for whatever reason, no show ID. All these foreign countries can come into this country and vote. And then that's the same thing. So what's the difference between that and the Russian meddling election? That's that's election fraud. I would say there is no difference. That's what I'm going to say. Right? I, I agree. And, you know, I, I brought up and you aired the clip on your show. Uh, mm-hmm. The Board of Elections said they get about a dozen of these where people are applying for citizenship, have to contact the Board of Elections, be taken off the rolls. Now, I will tell you, because that opened my eyes, too. I really don't believe, and I'm not naive, but I've looked into this. I really don't believe we have this mass voter fraud. I think we do have a secure election process. A friend of mine, her name is Nancy Gamby. Maybe one day we'll bring her on the show. In light of, I believe it was 2013 elections in the town of Huntington. It was a very close supervisor's race. Was that 2013? And what she did, this woman took about three or four months of her life and poured through the, the entire voting records of the town of Huntington yes. to match up where are these people. She went through signature pads and she could not find. She was looking for voter fraud and she was not able to find it, which uh, let me tell you, she felt a lot better after that, knowing that we had secure elections. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that there's these anomalies. And when we talk about races that are so close, we had that town council race in Brookhaven, four votes. Four votes, yeah. I mean, if we had... Yeah, but you- but, yeah. but you, you know, you talk you talk about Florida with with what would happen in Florida. That's a different story. In regards yeah. to that, you know, yeah. that that was money money spent that we shouldn't have spent down over there, and that's what's going to happen here. Right. And, and, you know, uh, I would think Broward County is probably the poster child for election fraud. 
Oh. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that. You know, I'm going to say that. And that's a good yeah. point that you made. Ozzy, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You're uh, just to finish up this segment, uh, people are upset about this. I mean, when this happened last week, and I know you called on and you gave us the update of what was taking place, it is now the law of the land, so to speak. Yeah, and, and we have so many other things that are going on right now. We have an issue right now, uh, and this was contentious, about vaccines and uh, religious freedom yeah, right. to take away that. Now that's dealing with our schools. So right. I was just talking to our school superintendent. There are students that will not be able to attend in September because previously they had a religious exemption for not having to get vaccinated, and the state law took effect immediately. All right, so now they're going to have to be, yeah. Uh, when we get back, I want to take up on some of these other subjects that took place and uh, you know to try to put this whole thing in perspective because it was a tough year for you guys and uh, a tougher year for the taxpayer yeah. and, and the law-abiding citizen and the person that didn't get paroled. Or the victims. <laughs> the victims and so on. I'm your host, Tom Shalera. You're listening to Your Island here on 103.9 LI News Radio. I am with Assemblyman Doug Smith, putting it all in perspective. And our last segment of the week, we'll be right back. Marshall Tucker Band. Always keep your eyes open for motorcycles. This message is brought to you by my buddies at Long Island Abate. Your Island, live and local, with your host, Tom Shalero on 1039 LI News Radio. And once again, welcome back as we round third, heading up to that two o'clock hour on our Friday edition. Now, this segment of our program is being brought to you by the great motorcycle rights and safety advocacy group, Long Island Abate. American bikers for awareness, training, and education. They promote safety on our roads for the two and three wheeled rider to ensure automobile drivers look and see and know that motorcycles are everywhere. They promote training, common sense laws, attend court procedures to ensure justice for those involved in motorcycle accidents where a driver is drunk, distracted, or recklessly careless. Call Abate President Jim Barr at 1-888-LI-ABATE or visit the website longislandabate.org. Long Island Abate wants everybody to know, please watch those left-hand turns, number one cause of motorcycle accidents. Now, are you looking to sell your home or buy? Well, look no further. Manzoni Real Estate is a real estate broker that the MLS proudly rated number one here on Long Island. That's not easy to do. He can do this. He has a database of thousands of buyers waiting to buy your home. His open house is sometimes a standing room only. This is a gimmick-free zone. Special circumstances, estates, divorce, all handled professionally. Ray Manzoni Real Estate is at the top one half percent of all realtors in the nation in the volume of sales. All you have to do is this. Call 631-928-1188. 631-928-1188. Or go to that website, www.manzoni.com, and mention your island with Tom Shalero and receive a line-protected supermarket bag. Let's get right back into it. This is our last segment of the week. This is the segment I really like, because there's energy here. Assemblyman Doug Smith. We've got Assemblyman Doug Smith once again in the studio to talk about all these things that went on and up in Albany. I'll tell you, we were watching it for the last six months. It's over now, folks. We could all take a breather. All that stuff that came down, some good, some bad. Mostly stuff that I think drove many of us here on Long Island. A little bit of upset, I mean, when you think about it. Now, uh, recreational use of marijuana. Remember that? We were already counting the money, Doug. How much money this county was going to make, and it didn't happen. But you guys did something else. What happened? So, there was a bill the last day 
day and uh, for decriminalization. So now in the state of New York, we already had a kind of a light decriminalization from the, I believe, the late 70s. Yes, we did. Um, but this expands a little bit more. And um, I actually supported that because I think that uh, our law enforcement could be uh, time could be better spent on other issues. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. that uh, there is an issue. And for me, I mean, this was uh, a lot of my Democratic colleagues said that this was this bill was too conservative, did not go far enough. Right. Which, uh, but you voted yes. I voted yes. Okay. So I, I, I and think you're a moderately was, conservative guy. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, mean I, I think that uh, I think that it was I think it was okay because when, when we're talking about some of the uh, statistics and things like that, um, I, I don't support full legalization. And right. when the, if if that bill comes up for a vote, I'll be voting no on that. Um, I don't want it sold on Main Street. Right. Um, but I, I do think that uh, we do have a reality where you know. And and I think it was a good choice prior to the what you folks did up there this week last week it was I think it's possession it was possession of up to because I remember this in my days as a police officer right. uh, possession of up to three quarters of an ounce was just a violation right. so now I'm kind of wondering uh, there's nothing lower than a violation I guess so you probably did something where uh, it would be a civil fine or yep. something like that we wouldn't even be in any sort of uh, Penalties under the penal law, uh, and and one of the instances, the fine was hundred dollars. It lowered it to fifty dollars, yes. and it wouldn't be multiple fines. So, uh, I mean, so that's. But uh, you know, make no mistake, because people, you know, if they think that this was uh, where you can go out and smoke a joint on Main Street and, and be walking around, you can't. It's yeah. still not okay. Well, I think the the difference was was under the old law that if you were to take a small amount and consume it in public, that was a misdemeanor. That was a crime right. punishable by up to a year in jail. But I think now what you guys did is you took that public use section and brought it down to a violation. Now, I'm just guessing, so I'm not exactly sure. But I think that's that's what had happened. It was very similar. So we're yeah. still you're still going to you still can't do that, but right. you're not going to be locked up for it. You're not going to be locked up for it. All right. So I, and that's a good thing, too. And, and and by the way, the reality is I know New York City Police Department is not even entertaining any more marijuana uh, uh, tickets or arrests because they just, the courts just can't handle it okay, when it comes to that. 631-451-1039, talking with Assemblyman Doug Smith in our final minutes of our of our weekly show, of our weekly show on Friday. Yeah. And uh, Doug is just filling us in. Um, other things, rent control. That made some people upset. Yeah, so. Uh, there was a rent, rent stabilization expansion for New York State. However, it's an opt-in. So, for example, Suffolk County would have to opt-in, and there's certain uh, certain things. And uh, we're going to have uh, – hopefully I'll have my colleague uh, Mike Fitzpatrick come on next time. He's the ranker on housing committee for 17 years. Right. So he debated this at length. And uh, now there's some concern because the way this, this bill was written, the way this law was written, um, it could – you know, if you have an accessory apartment in your home – so, for example, my house, I don't – I choose not to have one, but uh, mm. I have a high ranch. So conceivably, I could rent out the bottom if I had the proper permits. Right. Um, even under that, there are some new guidelines that would impact you, which uh, pretty crazy to think about. Right. You, you have a senior citizen that's renting out the bottom of their house, and now they're going to be subject to this new rent control statewide. Right. Right. Uh, so there were some problems with that. Um, uh, the other thing, the climate uh, control, let's, let's see here, the Climate Leadership Community Protection Act, that was another bill that came through, um, which sets limits on greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, I had, and, and the Long Island delegation was very split on this. Republican, Democrats, some voted for, some voted against. My concerns on that bill, uh, sponsored by Assemblyman Engelbright, who's our chair of environmental. My concerns about that, the cost of electricity on Long Island is so high mm -hmm. that if we create 
create an artificial demand for the green uh, power that, uh, and I'll give you an example, LIPA pays about 12 cents per kilowatt hour to buy electricity, they sell it back to us. And now some of these new um, things, wind and uh, solar, it might be where they'd have to purchase it at 17, 18 cents per kilowatt hour. That's going to drive the cost of electricity skyrocketing on Long Island. So I think there's other things that we can do to lower the cost of electricity and still be um, concerned about the environment. So that was something I had concerns about, but uh, it's more more or less a study. Right. So they're going to study, is it conceivable to go to 100% uh, green energy for the state of New York by, I believe it was 2040. Right. Um, yeah, I tell you, it was a busy session. Again, to many people were upset because of some of these other uh, issues that you you came every other Friday and, and spoke about them. Uh, once again, our number six three one four five one one zero three nine. Assemblyman Doug Smith uh, talking about uh, the end of the legislative session that ended last week. Uh, voting reforms that was interesting. You know, everybody was up in arms, and we're not going to keep belaboring the point with driver's licenses for those people that are not citizens and what that could mean ramifications and so on but the other angle to it is uh early voting now that there was pushback on both sides there what 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 were your thoughts on that now it did pass though we do have early voting in new york state and it starts That's this correct. november and it starts this november um, so folks need to know that 631-451-1039 get duck so nine days in advance of election day you will be able to vote right. so you'll be able to there's going to be locations set up around the county the law the way it was written there must be at least seven locations around the county i imagine we we have 10 towns in Suffolk County. I, you know, you can have more than seven. So the Board of Elections will set that up. Uh, I imagine there probably will be one location in every town. You know, okay. the Board of Elections is in, is in Yapank. I imagine that would be Brookhaven's location. Uh, we'll have to see if they use town halls. Uh, they will not be using schools because that's already that was kind of a right. discussion. So uh, basically nine days, including that includes Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll be able to cast a ballot if you so choose. If you can't make it on Election Day to vote. Um and the idea was just to make it easier for people to vote. Um, I supported that. I, I generally like the idea. You know, I'm, I'm concerned about. You did support it. I Interesting. Did. Okay. Um, okay. I, generally, I, I think if we make it easier for people to vote, I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I'm in agreement with that. You know, it's funny because I think uh, the state Republican Party was kind of opposed to it. And uh, it's nice to see that you uh, exercise that level of independence. Because I've heard from many people. Pe- see, the whole idea of this, it's the first Tuesday after the first Monday from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. I spoke to many professionals. One, I was actually talking to a good friend of mine who's a medical doctor at Stony Brook University. And he said, Tom, I start my day at 5.30. And, uh, and he said, between all that I had to do, I had no time to vote. And that was last year's uh, elections. And, I, I, you know, you could sympathize with that. Even though the, the polls were open at 6 a.m., some people work a lot of hours. And, uh, you know, without taking the time to fill out an absentee or, or whatever. So I was kind, I'm kind of glad that you said that because uh, I think it gives those those people and we have some very hardworking people in Suffolk County that sometimes can't vote because of that and the people I represent that has been an issue because a lot of the people I represent take the Ronkakuma train into the city you yeah, know that train goes right. out six o'clock you know around six o'clock in the morning and they mm. may not get back until seven o'clock that's right and uh, the last thing after four hours on the train eight hours at work is oh now I got to go vote yeah you know, p- people don't care as much as we would like them to care but you know I think it's great yeah, I, I think it's I think it's helpful. We also closed the LLC loophole, which had to deal with uh, campaign contributions. Uh, many people may or may not know this, but if you have a limited liability corporation, you could donate pr- before this unlimited amounts of money to any candidate. Oh, um, okay. So a lot of people would um, create these multiple LLCs 
and funnel money. I shouldn't say a lot of people, but it was a practice that could have been going on. I'm sure it was happening, Um, especially if you look at the governor's contributions. But it's it's the definition of corruption. Completely. I mean, and that's it, too. I mean, we need to look more at that. I mean, uh, we we just saw that debacle at Town of Oyster Bay's county of Nassau. That's disgusting. Completely. You know, I know it's over. The county executive in Nassau County is going to be going to jail. Oyster Bay guy got off. There's some uh, the deputy county executive over there. He pled guilty. We don't people don't want to see that. People don't want that from their public officials. And I'm, I'm saying that obviously. But it, it steals from us. And, and we can't have that happening. People work hard. Though. Yeah. And they want integrity in their elected officials, yes. their voting process, the, you know, everything. Um, there's also, this is going to be interesting. Um, December 1st, we should know, the state set up a panel to look at election reform, which is going to include matching funds for campaigns. Okay. Now, I... Okay. I have mixed feelings on the matching yeah. funds. Uh, the state set aside $100 million that would be used in Assembly, Senate, and statewide campaigns. And this panel is going to figure out what kind of a match. So, for example, uh, how it works in New York City, if you were to donate $185 to me, the taxpayers would match that six to one. Uh, I generally was opposed $6 to this. Six dollars for every one dollar that right. was given to you? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's so interesting. Uh, the idea is to take big money out of politics, mm. uh, and I can appreciate that intention. I just, I, I got to tell you, I don't think our hardworking taxpayers want their... Yeah, I, I wonder how the folks feel about that, you know, because I'd like to see more of the regular people, the forgotten yeah. middle class running for public office. Like some, we've got some good people on our school boards. We've got some good civic leaders. We've got people that run Boy Scouts and all this other stuff and, you know, involved in their community and so on. These these are uh, almost like a farm team yep. for people that should work in public service and, or be elected officials. But you can't do it without the money. It, it you really it- can't. It makes it very hard and uh, to have to raise that money. And I got to tell you, like when I ran for office last year in the special election, um, I looked and and my aide, Sean, is here, who uh, my right hand guy who helped me on the campaign. Um, We we looked at it funny because, you know, I'm not wealthy, so I couldn't self fund. You know, I I didn't put a dime of my own money into the campaign. It just wasn't there. Uh, So I had to reach out to people and say, hey, if you like my ideas, please donate. And, uh, you know, we joked about kind of like the producers. What's the first rule of being a Broadway producer? You don't put your own money in the show. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So now, again, I I joke, I jest, uh, but... to get regular people to be able to run for office, I think, is important. It is important. Yeah. Uh, people that aren't beholden to special interests, right. I think that's kind I, of I think that, that there couldn't be anything more thrilling than that in a true democracy, is to just get the average person who cares about their community, cares about their neighborhood, and have them run. Even if, Of course, you should start with a town council position or a Suffolk County legislative position. You're running for the state assembly. That's a pretty small political geographic area that you represent. Those are good places to start. And I think that that, that says, a lot, but you would have to be the first to admit the most distasteful thing about running for public office is you getting on the phone to calling family and friends and saying, can you send me money? That's right. Which is really what you're doing. Uh, absolutely. And, and and different people to say, look, I have a vision or I want to uh, change things or, or help uh, fight the good fight. And uh, it, it is hard. It is hard to yeah, do. Because you're asking people that, you know, many of many of the folks out there live, uh, people listening right now live paycheck to paycheck. Right. You know, the last thing they can do is contribute to somebody they believe in. Their local state senator, their local congressman, or something like that. You, you, people can't do that. So maybe, and, I, and, and we, at some point we'll take a poll on our radio show here of what people feel about public financing. Should people who run for public office get 
matching funds or six times the dollar amount yeah. to, in order to help. So I, I guess if you could show that you could raise some money, that maybe the state then could bolster your candidacy because at least you have that support. Right. And, and that would be, uh, and again, this panel is going to figure it out, but you would need a certain minimum number of small donations to be able to show, right. look, I'm a legitimate candidate. Right. I'm not just going to set up a campaign and spend all this money. Um, the other thing that they're going to be looking at this panel is uh, fusion voting. So the mm. fact that right now you can run on multiple lines, uh, a lot of other states don't have that, where mm. you run one candidate per line. Uh, another issue that came up the last week, and uh, I would love to pose this question to your your listeners, um, was at Luba Gretchen Shirley, if you remember her campaign yes. for Congress, yes. one of the right. big things she did was she appealed to the FEC to allow her to use campaign funds to pay for child care. So this is a mom. She had a child, I think, right. and, and she needed uh, babysitting services while she campaigned for public office. So yeah. that bill came up to codify it in state law, would allow you to use uh, campaign donations to pay for things like child care, but essentially mm-hmm. it was child care. Um, I voted, you know, and a lot of people, you think about that. I voted yes on that bill because, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because a lot of people sit there and say, well, that's a waste of campaign money, all these things. But there's certain things you can spend campaign money on. Like if you wanted to buy a suit, I think you could probably buy one suit mm. if you needed to. But I want to see more people run for public office. And, you know, if you, you know, for example, I I have a young child. I would not use my campaign money for child care because, you know, I have family that can help out. Right. But a candidate that has good ideas that can't do that. A single mom. Right. A single mom. Uh, are we to... cutting women out of the process? Right. Is that what we're doing? by not doing this? And, I mean, that raises the issue, Assemblyman. And, and I think when it comes to that, I think the people that donate their hard-earned money to your campaign, I think let them be the judge if you're wasting their donations. Okay. Don't, you know, so if a candidate is willy-nilly using this um, or if they legitimately like Luba Gretchen Shirley, I don't agree with her politics, right. but she, you know... She got a ruling from the F- Federal Election Commission that in her favor. Yeah, that yeah. said that, and that, that was huge. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'd love to touch on were uh, Tuesday's primary elections. Yes. A good friend of mine, Anthony Piccarillo, right. created an earthquake on yes. Tuesday. Yes, he did. Yes. He, he, this, this, this guy, Republican running for uh, county legislator right here well, in Holbrook, right next to the airport, uh, Saville, Oakdale, Bayport. Uh, great guy, hardworking candidate. And he was able to win two write-in elections. That's amazing. For the independence line and for the conservative line. Unheard of. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the last time uh, that may have happened was 2003. Yeah. And I have to tell you, that a little bit the the fact that a candidate can bring their message directly to the voters uh it's kind of an interesting concept well and i want to say this it's tough enough to get people out to vote it's doubly tough enough to get them out to vote and to write your name in they had to write his name on the conservative ballot and on the independence ballot against a person whose name was already there that all you had to do was bubble them in. That's right. That's pretty tough. Oh, completely. It, it, it's just, That's pretty tough. All of us are really shocked by that. And, and his name, Anthony Piccarillo, hardworking guy, um, he doesn't have the easiest, you know, my last name's Smith. Yeah. You know, it's You're hard easy. <laughs> to get people to write in Smith, but now to write in Piccarillo. So I'm very excited for him. Um, there's no, I've never seen a candidate work as hard as he works. Maybe Steve Levy might have been the last candidate. Yeah. I like to think I work hard. I do. But this guy was out there. He met every single one of these voters. And... 60-40 won this write-in race on yeah, Tuesday. So yeah. uh, that is going to be... Do you know a, how many uh, write-ins he actually got, let's say, on the conservative line? I guess, that's a tough question. I, I had an that, idea that's for, physically getting people 
to go there. And also, to underscore the fact, they're not Democrats or Republicans who are used to primaries. Right. If you're registered in the conservative party, you're not used to a primary. Right. You're, not, you're not really voting because in a, in a party primary because you don't. It's just something we don't. they don't do on a, on a minor party like that. Right. So now he, so he went from running on the Republican line and his opponent had the Democrat, conservative, and independence line to now he's going to be running on the Republican, conservative, independence lines against his opponent on the Democratic line. Uh, and look, I get along with everybody. I work with all parties, all right. elected officials. but we, we need more of that. But yeah. I am very excited for my friend Anthony. Um, yeah. I think he's got a g- good message. And I think, uh, you know, we need more young people that are going to, yeah, exactly. they're, they're not afraid to work hard and right. question the right. establishment. You know, once again, Assemblyman Doug Smith, uh, appreciate you coming down here. You gave us a quick review. We're going to see you throughout the summer, every couple of weeks, coming in, talking about what's going on in your community and so on and so on. So I want to thank Assemblyman Doug Smith. Before we get off the air for our Friday edition, I want to remind people that tomorrow, Cruise Against Cancer, that's tomorrow, Saturday, June 29th, between 1 and 4 o'clock, the boarding on this wonderful boat, it's called the Lauren Christie. You know what Doug, down there in the Bayshore Marina, it's like an old paddle boat. There's going to be dinner out there. They're going to be out, out on the water between 1 and 4, but they're telling people to try to get there around 12, 15, 12, 30. It's only $60 per person. You get dinner. Uh, I believe it's a cash bar, and it's just going to be a lot of fun, and that's tomorrow. I'm going to be there, folks, so if you are listening and you show up, find me because I want to say hello to all of our LI News radio listeners. Once again, I'm your host, Tom Shalero. Thanks for joining us. Everybody have a great day, a great weekend, and we will see you all on Monday. One nation's heart, one nation's voice, so torn apart, but there's a choice.